I got the right title this morning. <laughs> Are you in deep? Are you in deep? We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. So if you'll turn in your Bibles there or uh, electronically work your way to there. <laughs> How many of you love the Word of God? How many of you love the Word of God? There we go. I wonder if I said it five more times how much louder we can make this. So I'm going to read through uh, all, all these por- the whole portion of verses from 46 through 49, and then I'm going to come back and just revisit a few of these verses individually. Um, <clears throat> let's go to... 46, here we are. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not and, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is really the one manning the helm. And we need Him to. We need the Holy Spirit right now to God redirect our thoughts and our attention, Father, of what you're saying here in these verses. God, every one of us need what is said here. Lord, would you just make this as real to us as as we can possibly have it? Lord, we really need this animated understanding. We need the Holy Spirit to give divine revelation to barrenness in our own hearts when it comes to not just hearing what Jesus is saying. God, that's so important to receive, even right now in this service, God, individually, everyone here needs to hear the voice of God. Lord, we need to hear what You're saying to them and what You're calling them to do in each one of us as an act of obedience to follow. Jesus, I pray that today You will um, bring to surface the dross of things that we have been, we've been letting go of, we have not been dealing with. Things that, Lord, may seem minute, Lord, or in light of the... the the message of the grace of God, thinking that it's not essential or apparent or needed. And Father, somehow covering over it when God, this is what you told us. This is New Testament reality. This is where the Holy Spirit is getting into. So God, right now I pray, animate into our understanding. Bring to light, Father, the things that we need. And Lord, would you see us and pity us today because God, we know, Father, we will not get it on our own but we will get it as the Holy Spirit reveals it. And Jesus, help us make the next step in the direction that you want us to go. Father, we thank you for revival right now. We thank you for the revival in our hearts and the changes that are taking place right now that lead to our own spiritual reform and revival individually. So God, we can invite the community into an atmosphere that we've already started. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe God wants to give us a revival? Do you believe that God has in the Wallawa County lots of souls right now that need Him? So when we were worshiping, I just I have those times when people come to my mind, and when we were in the back room praying, and are just solemnly broken over the thought of those who have no salvation. I can see their faces. I can see a conversation that I had with a gentleman yesterday as I could just see the brokenness in his life as he was describing some of the conflicts and struggles that he was going through. And and I saw him just starting to tear up in front of me because there was something I said that gave him a sense of hope. 
yet at the same time, there's something even deeper that he needs to come into. And from my end, I'm like, Jesus has so much for you. Jesus has so much for you, but where is it? where are you at? And I think that in these verses, so important that we do not miss what God is saying here in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus is giving a, a long, if you look at it, the red letter throughout the Luke chapter 6 is a good portion of this whole thing starting at verse 20 and then all the way down to these verses. And Jesus gives the... Um, he gives a sermon on the mount as a part of this, and he gives them some sense of duty and some sense of calling and what they're supposed to do. Well, it's interesting how God does some things in our life, and for me personally, this has been uh, this is a continued confirmation to what the Lord has already been doing. I've had a, uh, some meetings, one of my meetings with. Uh, with another brother, we were going through a book called Act Like Men by James McDonald. And within the first few chapters, but prior to that, there were some other things that the Lord was just kind of cultivating inside of me. And I realized what the Lord was doing is calling me to application behind devotion. You cannot be a Christian and do what Jesus called you to do and just be a person of devotions. We have, we have talked about the importance of reading the Bible because you're not going to get what God wants if you're not hearing and you're not reading, but it goes far beyond that. And so here's something that was a challenge to me and I started to do more of as I was reading the pages of the book. At the end of it, I asked myself this question. In light of what I just read, what is it that God would have me do? Or what is something I should be applying to my life through what I just read? How many sermons... And I'm going to ask you to do the same thing either within the context of this service or before we're done is ask yourself in light of what the pastor just preached, what is it that God wants me to take home? What does He want me to do with this? Do not leave this service, please. Do not leave this service having heard the Word and not had any more done with it. In the light of what Jesus said, we can right now begin this work. And as I started doing that, this is what I noticed. As we started developing something in our home, and on Saturdays as we have family time together, when we first started having that time, and I think I've shared this before, we would, we, what we would do is we'd just have a vote time. Now, everybody can do it a little bit differently, but we'd sit down and we'd have a vote because we're going to do some stuff as a family. And you know, do you understand how difficult it is these days as a, as a father and a mother to make sure that we spend time with our kids and that we all have family time together. But do you know that even when you begin to do that, it can get really complicated really fast. So we just started, we're, you know what, we're going to do a family vote. And the majority vote wins. And we have three of them. And sometimes we recast votes. And when we recast votes, we say, look, after you've cast the first vote, you can vote multiple things the first time. But when we're trying to break the ties, you only get to vote once. That's it. But we said, and, and I finally realized, well, we got some negativity that gets in. Sometimes I might be the case that I don't want to do that. I don't like that. And so when somebody throws something out there, we automatically have the I don't like and I don't want. Don't let your Christian life be about what you don't like and what you don't want. If you got things in your life right now and you're tolerating them and you don't like them, then you need to stop right now and you need to think about where's the direction to go. Because most of us have been spinning our wheels redoing the same thing over and over again that we don't like because we have not addressed what we could be doing differently. And believe me, Jesus has an answer for that. So then here we have in our own family, we're like, okay guys, this is what you do. I thought it was such a powerful thought. Wisdom cries aloud from the streets. I said, look, we don't get to say what we don't want. Let's do that in church, right? Let's practice that right here. I don't like, I don't like this, I don't like that. I, I've heard people for years talking about, and, and we have a beautiful worship team, don't we? We have a beautiful, wonderful worship team. Aren't we grateful for them? Amen. They lead us into the throne room of God. But I have heard for years people say about 
worship and it has it has instruments we don't want instruments it has this or it doesn't have that and you know what not a one of them volunteered to get up there and help them once right i'm like wake up you don't like it you either need to be a part of the solution or quit complaining and just take what you got so here I got this thought is like, okay, guys, we can't do that. It just makes us worse. And the environment is just killing where we're going if we do that. So what you do have is this. Everybody can share what they want. And what you got to be doing is figuring out what the family needs, not what you want. Can I get an amen? Yep. You need to figure out what the family needs, not what you want. Are we here with that today? We need to know what the family needs. So... Because guess what? If you want to get your vote in, and uh, one of our sons, he has a, re a real enjoyment for something particular. I won't embarrass him today, but I think it's great. But it's, he knows that the rest of us aren't really wanting to jump on board with it. So he doesn't even put it into vote anymore because it's not worth casting because it's not meant for the family in the moment. So the goal is this, is to start taking time before the Lord and say, Jesus, what does the family need? What does the family need today? Get outside of the box of me and what does the family need? And Lord, not what <clears throat> do I not like in the family, but what does the family need? Now when you start figuring that piece out and you get the Holy Spirit touching your heart and what the family needs, now it's time to start moving forward. And that's the struggle begins. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with somebody talked to them, looked across to them, and you know it's easier to talk to somebody about what they should do differently than what you should do. But I get that privilege all kinds of times. And I'll say this, is what I've noticed is, and I hear, there, if this place were full of the people who told me that they were going to come to church on Sunday, there isn't a seat in this place that wouldn't be full. And yet, week after week, it's still being missing. And I'm like, that's the problem, is the application dies off but there's an interest sometimes to hear what I need to do. So Jesus is addressing this within his audience. And here Jesus is addressing his audience about the problem of devotions. Maybe you could call it that. Time spent with Jesus. Taking going to church. I, I, whatever context you want to put it in. I've had means of grace supplied and without application. On some level there was those he was preaching to that took time and pleasure in listening to him. Though Jesus challenged every facet of life and called for immediate and earnest response, yet they remained un—sorry—they un remained, remained unmoved to do so. Unmoved. You've highlighted things in my life, and I'm not moved to move to do so. And here's one of the reasons I think. Well, let me share this quote by A.W. Tozer that kind of fills into this. He says this. Uh, go ahead and put that quote up there if you would. Quote by A.W. Tozer. Oh, he's he's not manning the booth there for a minute. Sorry, guys. Um, I'll wait till it gets up there. This is really important. Okay, so it, there, it's in two slides, so just follow me as I go through. For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God Himself. Unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. Yeah, amen. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God. That they may enter into Him and that they may delight in His presence and may taste and know the inner sweetness but the very God Himself in the core and center of their being and their spirit. See, one of the things I realized as I was as I've been adjusting more, and what do I do differently? See, marriages, and my 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 own is no exception to it. We all have uh, areas in our marriages where, like, we want it to be better. We want it to be different. We need to work it out. And so some of the things that happen in our marriage, and one of the things we developed recently, we, we, we've had different times where it's been broken up, and, but what I've realized is what builds marriages, a marriage builder is consistency and doing the right thing, right? And so one of the things that breaks down, first thing, like 
get the communication thing under control. So find and make sure you have time. Be studious about having that time. Now, if it's not a marriage, it's some other context in your life that fits it. But we were developing more and more. This is our morning time. This is our evening time. We need to have these conversations. And not all of them are easy. My wife will tell you that that's true. So I can't I can't fabricate the truth because she'll come around and she'll help me out. And she's beautiful and wonderful in that way. And so we have these communications to be able to talk about things. And not all of them are easy. Some of them are difficult. And how many of you know that you don't see eye to eye at first on things, but you know you got to come to better conclusions? we got a couple in the back that said, no, we're all good. All is well. All is well. So when that what has struck me is this, is that the reason why I've gotten stuck in argument form or stuck in the let's separate and go our separate ways form is because I didn't have a better plan in place. How many of you can say amen? I didn't hear an amen. Okay, so because I didn't know what better to do. I got stuck in the rut because I didn't think about. So I did something the other day that I'm like, why did it take me 20 years to get to this reality? And I said, honey, can I have five minutes to stop and think about how I could do this better? Because I have to think about what actually is the best way to do that. And so I mull over in my mind and think about, here's my struggles, here's why this is difficult, and what do I do? And then the next piece is, Lord, help me. Give me the brilliance of heaven in developing these little things in our life. And I had what I felt like as a revival conversation with a fellow brother over just talking about having a shared calendar with his wife and just the new developments of that, and some of the truths that God had revealed to me and how it was highlighted in his life. And it was like I was saying some of the inner things that he had already experienced. And we both walked away partly from that conversation thinking how amazing it is that little things make such huge differences in our lives. Like, man, a shared calendar by which we know our differences and stuff. And I develop, I had to develop that, especially early on. But why did I spend so much of my marriage not having that? Because I didn't take the time after an argument or after a struggle. I, I didn't stop. And what I did is I let it fuse and fume and boil and finally d- dissolve over time. And that's what created an atmosphere for it to happen again. But when I finally started realizing, I, the problem is James needs to stop and ask God, Lord, what am I needing to do better? How can I enter in this? And it's interesting how differences in views are pivotal to learning the humility of God. We want the people who rub us wrong to get out of our lives so we can follow Jesus. No, they're the help in getting closer to Jesus. Jesus is powerful. He tells us, love your enemies. What are you telling me? Why are you telling me to love my enemy? Because the work of grace that undoes the pride inside of you and that makes you the man that God wanted you to be is formed in the fire of difficult relationships. Learn the art of following Jesus in it. And so here we have, Jesus is like, I want to give you wisdom. I want to pour into you understanding. But this pride thing about, well, it didn't work when I was talking to so-and-so, or I was working, trying to work it out with my wife, but our marriages drive us. Isn't this beautiful? Our marriage drive us because of the commitment. I said something the other day, and I was like, Lord, I wrote it down. I reset it to somebody else, and I'm holding on to it for the rest of my life. I said, marriages... They're average because we are committed, but we don't have good communication. But marriages will thrive when we're committed and have good communication. So how do I do this? What kind of... And it's awesome to hear somebody talk about the details of things they implemented into their marriage and into their life and around work and how God works through those things. And how it was like it was this nugget of wisdom that deposited in the moment, but it brought about such wonderful results and it did some changes inside of me and remolded me to those things. And so in a sense, when we have devotions and we say, Lord, I'm not leaving this open-ended, 
I want to know the direction to go. And we're, all we're doing is inviting the Holy Spirit into our life. We're inviting victory in the name of Jesus to be there. Some people, and I felt like God's like stopped me oftentimes in my prayer in the middle of it and said, James, you're asking for a change in somebody. I had a difficult employer at one time I did that. And I was like, he's asking, what about what I want to do through you so I can bring about that miracle that you're asking for? Like, I want to change him. I want to do things, but I want to do something in you at the same time. And there's this beauty of like, Lord, I don't want to. I do want what you're going to do inside of me. So let's read in, in verses uh, 47 through 48. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Just capture that. And laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Notice it wasn't founded on the foundation. It was founded on the rock. This way caught me for the first time. I thought, oh, wait a second. We're not talking about the foundation here. We're talking about what the foundation is built on. Now, in other places in the Bible, Jesus is the foundation. But in this verse... Jesus is not the foundation of this verse. Jesus is the rock of this verse. Is what you're building the foundation on. So what we see is Jesus is, and what Jesus does in our life, is He doesn't start with the problems and difficulties. It starts with the foundation and the structure. Somebody can say, I've got a devastated life, a ruined past, or a ruined present. And I can say, well, the issue isn't talking about what you got going on. The problem is, is that what's the foundation? Because the question is, did you get the foundation right and all of a sudden life has gone wrong? No. That's not true. Life has gone wrong because what's on the foundation, where the foundation is built, is wrong. Now, I will say this. not it, it, There's things that you suffer as a victim and there's times that it's your problems that resulted from your choices. Learn to make the difference there, the distinction. I will never say to a victim, I will never say to a victim, the reason why you've been victimized is because you didn't have the right foundation. Please hear me. Because you did it all wrong. Because you're the one at fault. Now, I will say, sometimes we end as a victim because we didn't have the foundation right. If we had just done what Jesus said, sometimes we would have gone the right direction. But you can do what Jesus says and still become a victim. So let's, not, let's make sure we understand. Jesus was a victim as far as that was concerned. But he didn't live victimized. Remember that. Jesus never intended to call you to be a victim. Not to any circumstances, to any other person. Sometimes it's a call to walk away. Sometimes it's a getaway, to be in a safe place. But never to be a victim. And then I love this. He says, who dug deep. Hopefully we're there. Um, if You'll move to that part of the slide. Who dug deep. Depth is not in knowledge. I've had people say to me, or about me, or somebody told me, James, they say that you're deep. I, I'm sorry if there's times when I say things and you're like, man, I don't get it. It's like he's gone over my head, and I really don't want to be that way, so I hope not. But depth is not a knowledge. Some people are very good at speaking. They're very knowledgeable about things, and you're like, they're really deep because they know a lot. But as far as Jesus is concerned, depth is in how they apply that knowledge. What did you do with what you know? So it's not the light that I've received, but what I put in practice as the light that is that I have received. So knowledge given to me. So like, for instance, Jesus saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Was that to you and me, all of us? Like, ask yourself the question, did Jesus call me to witness to the lost? or those that don't know Jesus as their salvation. Am I doing it? No. What reasons do I have? Well, I don't feel equipped. I, feel, I don't feel good. I feel like uh, I don't have strength to do so. Before you know it, you'll have made more excuses for disobeying God than you'll have made for obeying Him. Then you have no reason to suggest or wonder, why is it that I don't have spiritual refreshing? 
Why is it that God's not working deeply inside of my heart? Go in and search the Bible for all the places it calls for obedience. So here we have dug deep. So look at people of application and you'll see deep knowledge. You'll see knowledge that's intimately tied to the things that they have done and knowledge of how to do that well. Um, the longer I'm a father, the more I realize we have seasons of needing better knowledge and better practice and better applications as a good father. Believe me, I don't have the best of it, but I've learned this. It's better to have a few things learned and done well than a lot of things learned and a few things done well, if, if any done well. Laid the foundation on the rock. Notice here that it was laid on the rock. I shared that. Jesus is the rock. The foundation is knowing Him in obedience. We are sadly lacking in these fundamentals. I see this more and more often. It is, it is lofty spiritual views that keep falling to the death of being basically fundamental the way Jesus told us to. You can develop all lofty spirituality if you'll stick to the fundamentals. But I have watched lofty people fall to their demise because of the lack of just putting back into the fundamentals of practice the things that Jesus said. For instance, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Put that in practice. Make that everyday life. And don't put anybody outside of that scope. Well, I do it with 500 people, but I have two or three that I quit doing it with. Those are the ones Jesus is putting on the marker list. And don't expect spiritual revival until you do. So we have Jesus has to be the bedrock of all obedience. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that the rock secures both the house and the foundation. The rock secures the house and the foundation. Secures your life and what happens is it. So when we stop, obeying Jesus, or we stop having intimate interaction with God that leads to the way we live our life, or that we have these broken places in it, it won't be long before what happens is you leave Jesus altogether. Because the reality part of it is simple. Jesus is not separate from your actions and your choices in life. You don't get to live life any way you want and then have Jesus in full color and full view of who He really is. You're going to sacrifice one in light of the other. And that's why Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why would you even let it come out of your mouth when the reality piece is you don't have that intimate connection with me that leads you to be involved in everything that I want you to be involved in. And I love it also says, and it could not shake for it was founded on the rock. If we do not discover Christ in loving obedience, the structure of our lives will not endure. That's what Jesus was saying. That Jesus was saying, you will not endure if the structure of your life does not meet to the place of obedience to me. So there are already we know is the devil is strong enough to take everybody out that doesn't walk with the Lord. But what he doesn't have, what, what he doesn't have is the power, not even close to the power, to take out those who do. He doesn't have it. Because he doesn't have the authority to stop you from living with, for Jesus if you've committed to Christ. And we need to talk about the commitment thing at some point. Because I can be committed to my wife to be married and have a terrible marriage. And you can be committed to being a part of what Jesus is doing and have a terrible Christian life because Jesus wants to be in the middle of it all. That's what He wanted to be. Let's look in verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built a house on earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. And it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. 
Here Jesus is speaking both to those who have no attachment to him and those who have no obedient attachment to him. He's talking to both crowds. Some of you don't have any attachment to me and some of you have no attachment to me in obedience. And they're one and the same when you get down to it. There are two things when someone hears but does nothing. The foundation changes and the ground of the foundation changes. The moment you hear and don't follow what God is showing you. Now, I'm not talking about in one instance. I'm talking this becomes the pattern of your life. When you hear and you don't do what Jesus says, the foundation and the foundation which is supposed to be built on are both affected at the same time. That's what Jesus is saying. Is that I, and I thought when I was thinking, I think it's going to be the same foundation, but it's going to be a different place of building. But the reality piece is this. You can't, can, you can't have it both ways. You have to have real literal obedience to Jesus or none at all. So as I've learned more and more in my, as being a father to my children is I'm managing my whole home and I want to be careful that they see that I'm not just asking them to tell me or to fall back on me. And I'm trying to learn how to do this well is, boys, we're not trying to develop right words. We're not trying to develop in the church the right words. We're not even trying to develop the right actions, as it were. But what I am trying to do is your persona of me changes the way you're going to treat me in action. So you might have the right action, but it's only because, and we, we battled these through our families at different times, but we, we, the, you did what I asked, but I noticed while you were doing it, there was something amiss, and it was bothering me, and I felt that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so when that's the case, it's like, I saw what you did, but that's not what I call obedience. It's never going to be obedience in that, because... And then, and then if you find out that, well, they said the right thing. How many of you know that's not what we're looking for on a human level? Much less, that's what God wants. Like, if you just say the right thing, if you just do the right thing, that's all I want. I want you to be married to me. I want you to appreciate me. I want you to value who I am and be drawn by that. So why does God do miracles? Because that's one way that He draws us with affection to Him. So in out of the word affection and love for Jesus, he says, and he tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. He doesn't make it under any other authorization. And if you love me, keep my commandments, because that's the real goal here, is not just that you stepped into doing what's right, but that you have a right view of God. Sister Dawn shared it with us earlier today, was there's a church sometimes that preach hell and brimstone, and it's all about following God so that you can keep from going to the fire. And there is some element of truth to that. But the truth, the idea is that we got to have a real love for God and appreciate Him for who He is. Otherwise, our ideas of fear are molded on something. So we, the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. But if we have the wrong kind of the fear of God, developed on the wrong kind of premises of who He is, before we know it, we're serving a God, but we're not serving the God as He's revealed Himself in the way that shows that this is our right service to Him. So the foundation and the ground that we build on are two different things. When we hear and we don't follow. But here's the issue is, are we hearing right? Is that the reason why we're struggling to follow? Because we're not hearing right? So it's obvious a need to hear as well. Notice the storm came to both houses. And that's really important because what I think a lot of, a lot of people are coming to Jesus with the mindset that Jesus is going to fix my storms. And when I tell somebody that your storm is going away if you come to Jesus... What I've done is I've just said, let's follow Jesus for all the immature reasons that you possibly can, pretty much. And so Jesus is saying the security is not in what you live in your experience. The security is that you have a relationship 
that's founded in Jesus. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to build a church that knows Christ. That knows Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say all of them, but I'm going to say there's a lot of people. Don't go to YouTube to find Jesus. Don't go to Facebook to find Jesus. And if the primary source is either one of those things or any other book that another man has written or another woman, and that's your primary source, I'm going to warn you today. I don't know if there's anybody here, but I'm just going to say it. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. Our primary source is Jesus. What men are for is a confirmation for what Jesus is saying. That's powerful. And so I want to just share some thoughts about the application piece. So I was like, you know what, Lord, I would like to fit some here in this. I want to invite you to possibly do something similar to what I am. Again, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to do this the way James is saying. But I think one thing can help undermine the attitude of, well, we just, we just heard what God said. I think it's vastly important that we carefully examine our lives and consider whether or not our devotions are lacking application. Am I constantly reading, listening, or getting some form of the Bible told to me on radio or any other thing and I don't look at what, in light of what I just heard or read, what am I going to do with that? Unless you have a better way, so I'm going to invite you to that, unless you have a better way or you have something else that works or you're already doing something that's working great for you, awesome. Because, of course, I'm not saying that all the people of God are always in these categories, but I get the feeling that every one of us could raise our hands to the, you know what? I got some things in my life that I'm trying to figure out why. And some of them are just the stuck patterns. Others of them are the sin patterns or the whatever patterns. But what do I got going on? So unless you have a better way, consider doing this. Writing down. How many of you write some things down? I'm not asking you to show me hands. Just saying, write it down. An application for after each devotion. So when you read your Bible, whether it's one verse or if it's 50 verses, I've been trying to stick to um, six chapters a day, and I've actually been trying to do 12 chapters a day. I do one in a, in a plan, and I do another one as kind of my own. The plan is more when I go to bed at night, and I just turn it on, and I hope that I retain something, because I'm just, throughout the day, I just haven't had a lot of time. But the morning one is the one I specifically hone in on. And what I do is, is I highlight, um, I highlight what it is that stands out to me, and I want to go back and revisit that especially what you highlight, especially something. So it's not necessarily, because there's a, especially if you're reading six chapters, there's a whole lot of context there. So just pick something out of that context that stands out, pray about it, but then look at that context, not just for what the context says and what it is that's the deeper meaning as it is personally to you and as God's revealing it to you, but let the Holy Spirit bring you to some deeper sense of beyond the context of this Lord in light of that, what would I do? So write it down in application. Write down the application for it. So what I've done in a few of them is I wrote down, uh, I want to cultivate deeper love for or cultivate more humility within it. And then this is the stopping point. How do you do that, James? What does cultivating humility look like? You're writing it down, but practically stepping into it. So it should end in something practical in what you do. So it might be I have, to, I have to have reminders throughout the day for certain things. It might be something else. But no matter how you do it practically, this is what I'm going to do. So some of us, practically what you need to do is have an application for just reading the Bible. I don't know if it's that you should have an app. I could share with you. So if you're like, I'm not sure what might be a good app for that, I can give you one for your phone. You can do it electronically. I, what I've shared with somebody is I recommend no less than 15 minutes a day and reading your Bible, but make sure that you have just as much observation of what you just read as just the fact that you read it. So if what you're used to the pattern of, because I have a lot of time reading the Bible, but I don't have much time for reflection, then cut it in half and have time for reflection afterwards and time for application. One of the things I did was, is when I was in consideration of Jesus talking about the enemies, is I, and I haven't actually done it yet, so I'm going to say it to you so it'll give me more pressure to go ahead and get it done. But I said, I want to write a list of people who make me feel uncomfortable 
And then I want to pray over that list. Lord, I've been ignoring these people so long that I'm not getting over to what is it, what's the real problem here? And I felt the Holy Spirit hit me with that. That's my problem. That's what God's telling me. That's my problem with some of this stuff is James, you're letting those things get ignored. So I want to write a list of guys, the people that like, this is difficult. Maybe it's just difficult. Like I, I have a hard time talking with them. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just I have a hard time entering into conversation. Lord, I'm not saying that the God is going to give me every one to do something with every person on that list. But what I'm learning is God will probably give me something with one of those person, people on that list. Because I'm praying about it and God's light, enlightening me of this is something to do with that. If you've got a real enemy and you're like, okay, so I've forgiven my enemy. Have you? Seriously? Have you? And one of the signs I was like, sometimes we show the signs of we haven't forgiven our enemies. So I would say this. If you think you've forgiven your enemy, ask yourself a little bit further, if I see all the completions of a person who's truly forgiven another person. One, ask yourself when you talk about them, what comes out of my mouth? I'll bet you'll find out a lot of times you didn't forgive anybody. You thought you did, but you didn't. When I think about them, do I pray for them? No, I don't pray for them. I'm happy that they're out of my life. Then you probably haven't forgiven them either. I'm just saying probably. You need to look at this for real. Because ultimately this, if the guys, and this is what the devil's done, what he does is make give us the guides that we've done it and all is well when we only went halfway with Jesus. And he holds us into the bondage and contempt to Jesus because we haven't followed through all the way into obedience to God. And He covers it over with good feeling. And, and there's still struggles within the human heart. So that's why we do this. We write it down and let the Lord take us a little bit further in it. Also take time to plan how and when you're going to obey. So put it in, put it in a plan. Don't say, well, I'll, maybe next week or I'll think about it. Put it on a calendar. Put it as a reminder you do whatever it takes. I'll tell you what, if you had an appointment, you do something to make sure you get to that appointment. Make this an appointment. I will not miss the opportunity to do this. Now you call somebody and you find out they're not available, but you are going to make that your day. Then what do you do? You make a new appointment, but you make sure that you don't pass it on. Spiritual blindness, spiritual immaturity, spiritual weakness comes right out of this. It didn't because you didn't miss the convention that was going on and there was a Holy Spirit power meeting. It's because you decided not to walk in obedience to Jesus in the simple things. That's why when you get to the meeting, you missed everything that was there for you. Um, also take time. So reflect and pray and correct. So I think it's really important that we look back at how this went. Did I, how did this reflect on it? Think about it. Did it go well? Did they receive it? Was there a problem with the way that I presented it? Did I fire up at them when I was trying to cool down? Reflect on it, pray, and then correct. Don't think that you don't have something to correct sometimes, even in the attitude of obedience. Second application. Unless you have a better way. <laughs> so if you're doing something better than what I just told you, right? Get in prayer and ask God to show you where you are in disobedience. Don't come to church next Sunday. Pastor included. <laughs> Don't come to church next Sunday if you have not taken time to ask God, Lord, am I in disobedience in my life? Maybe you already know something. Then you don't have to ask Him. Then you're just like, Lord, penetrate my heart and get me in a deeper understanding of where I am. Then write them down. Write them down. Don't try and memorize it. Why do you write it down? Because I'll tell you one of the key elements to writing it. Because you'll have forgotten it, but you'll remember that you wrote it down somewhere. So you can go back and call it to mind. Then prayerfully with the Bible in front of you, begin to identify how you can obey. And more specific, the better. The more specific, this is what I can do, and this is how I'm going to do, the better. But put that Bible in front of you and pray through it. Because God wants to show you things in it. Then make plans and put it into action. Then tell others. Both of them. Tell others. Now I'm not saying you have to do both of these. One of them. Both of them. would be great. But application. 
after today's service, what did I say even before? So I ask you to, I'm, I'm going to give an opportunity to come up front. And that may be just to unburden your heart before the Lord. It may be just to pray because you're just intimately drawn to Jesus right now. I know when I get a convicting word, I'm drawn to the Lord through it. And so, and if it's not a conviction, but it's a confirmation, I'm drawn to the Lord in it. But I'm going to call for that. But don't stop there, please. Don't stop at the altar. Take it in and beyond the altar to the rest of this week. And I want to profoundly say this. I believe that there's going to be some spiritual breakthrough all over this place throughout this week because of doing one thing that the Lord wants you to do. Just because you highlight it and you put it into. Some of us, it's a phone call. Sometimes it's somebody from your past you need to make things right with. You're like, I just kind of buried it and left it alone. Sometimes it's with our spouses. And sometimes it's not a, I'm sorry. It's a, you know what, I'm trying, I've, I've actually been planning and spending a better way to do this. So something that I've done, and it, this is just practically speaking, but I feel like sometimes it's important to do it. But And it's taken me a long time to get there. So guys, ladies, realize that sometimes you're going to say, I wish that I had done this sooner in my life. But practically speaking, one of the things that I, I started doing for my wife is that she's at home all the time. She's got a job just like I got a job. It's just a different kind of job, right? And so the expression was uh, she could use a day off, a day to herself, a day to just have devotion, spend with friends, whatever she feels like God puts on her heart to do. So I've got on my calendar and multiple reminders because I forget easily. I got on my calendar, this is her day off. And then in the event that it happens and she says, but honey, I, I don't feel like I'm going to take the day off. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> you're going to take the day off. Well, I can't because of, well, then you're going to have to find a time this week where you can. Why? Because I'm prioritizing this for you. How many ladies would love your husbands to do that? How many women in our world would be like, wow. But I'm going to tell you something. That doesn't make me a remarkable man. That just makes me a typical man that found a little bit of leverage point that helps my marriage. And, and let me tell you guys something. When you pray for me, Lord, I want my pastor. I want him to be a spiritual powerhouse. I want him to preach revival messages that touch this community. I don't know what you're praying, but I'm, I'm glad you are, right? But when you are, that's these are the things you're praying for. You do realize that. I don't want him skipping out on the little things with his wife and how he can be better to her and how he can work through some of his own frustrations that happen in their communication. I want him to do really good at this. Lord, give him brilliance from heaven to enter into his family life with his kids and how to train them and prepare them for... i got a 17-year-old... Guys, pray for me, please. i got a 17-year-old... He's got he's to face the world. And he loves the Lord. And I know that there's beautiful qualities. Some of you have said, I love your kids. And that's such a remarkable thing. But that doesn't mean there's a whole dark, difficult world to face inside of that. So when you pray, you're praying for me to like, oh, I'm not going to let what looks like it's this, the chink in the armor get in the way of my relationship with my children. I've got to develop better ways. This isn't working. I've had things that are brilliant and they're good, but it's not working. So I need you to pray for me to find the other thing that does work with them and that blesses them along the way. And so as I realized that, and we got a 15-year-old, he's on his way to driving, so you, you understand, we've, we need it. We love our family. But in order to be a healthy man of God, I have to have a healthy family. Amen. And these are the places where it's like, oh, we can't, we can't spare on this. So as you guys are praying for God to do more inside of me and God to grow our church and minister what He's doing in other lives, I'm going to be better at doing that when I can start speaking of time after time and more and more. And i got so many things I could share with you and practical things that God has done in my home to help develop me for my wife, for my kids. But I can tell you also, as we already heard, i got a lot of miles to go yet. I'm like, he's 17. I got five more years to work at being better at what I'm doing, and I only got one. So, like, help me, Lord. Help me do this better. And what I'm realizing is this. The longer I go through life, I realize things in the moment. are like, if I had known that sooner, this would have been a lot better path. And I think I would have known it had I taken time 
to have as much devotion toward application as I did toward finding what Jesus was saying. Lord, help me know. And we are going to be an amazing church. We already are, because of the Lord already doing that in many of our lives, just calling us to it on deeper levels. Just in a moment, I want to pray right now. I want to pray for what the Lord's going to do in the rest of this service. I want you to hear this. The more we tarry before the Lord and say, God, cultivate this inside of me. Sincerity waits on God. We don't have the answers. I can't tell you. You know, this is what you do in every application of your life. But what we find is this. A sincere heart waits for God to give the answer. Lord, you have an answer. The pastor said, have something. I don't have it yet. Lord, so show me. We're going to take some time for the Lord to do more in this service. And he's as interested in touching every one of us as we are hungry for him to do it. So whether you come up front or you stay where you're at or you find another place to just pray and spend some time with the Lord, even if it's in the back room somewhere or whatever, I want you to hear this from me. God wants to touch you. God wants to touch you because you're hungry and you need the Lord. And none of us are so mature that we couldn't use another touch from Jesus. So I'm going to give an opportunity for that. So I want to pray for what God's about to do. And then I'm just going to release it over to our worship team who's going to help lead us in the presence of God, to lead us in the presence of the Lord, and you just spend that sweet time with Jesus that he wants you to have with him right now. Father, I want to thank you so much. These are not hard words. Hard words are the words that are impossible. Hard words are the ones that we can't do. The hard ones are the ones that say we've got to grow wings and fly. Lord, the hard words are the ones that tell us that we've got to have a halo over our heads and everything in life. But sweet words are the ones that give us direction for things that we wouldn't know what to do with otherwise. Jesus, you're here to give us direction. Lord, you are here in the moment for every hungry heart that's reaching out. And God, I thank you that we are just the beginning of the fire, Lord. You just, you're igniting a spark in this sanctuary today so that you can light a fire in this community tomorrow. And I'm trusting that what you're going to do, Lord, in each of our hearts is we get a little bit, we get not just a little bit, a lot closer to you in areas of obedience. Jesus, would you highlight for every one of us, we need you now to do it so that we can walk with you. We're going to ask you, Father, by the Holy Spirit, to do this right now. Lord, as some come forward, some stay right where they're at. Some just need to sit and just pause and and reminisce of what you're saying to them in the moment. Whatever you're doing, God, just give everybody that Holy Spirit touch. Speak to them fully and completely what they need to hear. And Jesus, we are going to be so grateful for what you're going to do right now. This is supernatural. This is supernatural as people are calling on you in this place. Fathers, we tarry here and just trust you for more. This is supernatural in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Respond to the Lord.